Welcome to the Street Photography Magazine podcast, priceless inspiration and advice for street photographers everywhere. Hello again, and welcome to episode 56 of the Street Photography Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Bob Patterson, publisher of Street Photography Magazine, and this is the place for inspiration and advice by street photographers for street photographers. Last year, we created a Facebook group tied to the magazine. That's a relatively small group. We have under 2,000 members, but it's very active. The people are very engaged. When I set up the group, my objective was to create a group of people that are truly interested in street photography, who participate and actively engage with one another. And I wasn't worried about creating a huge group of tens and hundreds of thousands of people. I was more interested in the actual engagement. And thanks to members like our guest today, Alex Caceres, and our moderator, Randall Roberts, who does an amazing job, by the way, it's become a reality. So if you're interested in joining us, just use the link talkstreetphotography.com, and that'll take you straight to the group. All you have to do is click the Join button. It costs nothing, and we usually approve new members within 24 hours. So as I said, our guest today is Alex Caceres. He's from Tucson, Arizona. Alex is a heavy equipment operator for Pinal County in Arizona, and it's a job that takes him all over the place, and he's never without his camera and makes good use of his downtime recording the lives of people that he encounters. Now, over the years of publishing Street Photography Magazine, I've learned that there are thousands of talented photographers like Alex out there, and they never cease to inspire me. And I plan to do my best to give these creative people an opportunity to share their personal stories and their work with you. So sit back and have a listen to the story of Alex Caceres. With me today is our guest, Alex Caceres. Alex is a very active and involved member in our Facebook community. I've been wanting to get him on for quite a while, really, ever since he joined up. Alex lives in the Tucson, Arizona area. He is a heavy equipment operator and a very avid and prolific street photographer. As I said, I've been enjoying his work for a long time, and I thought uh, everybody would like to hear more about him and uh, see more of his work. So, Alex, welcome. Thanks for being with us today. Oh, thank you, Bob. It's such a pleasure to be able to talk to you this morning. Uh, Really looking forward to this day. Yeah, me too. We booked this a while ago. I um, went on vacation. I was out in California and just got back, and I'm still on uh, Pacific time here on the East Coast, and it's not easy. You know, when you get older, it's harder to re- recover from uh, jet lag. So but anyway, let's get moving. Alex, as I said, you're, you know, you're a really active member of our Facebook group, and we appreciate that. So you're really into street photography. Why? And how'd you get there? Well, you know, uh, it's been about four, uh, four or five years or so since I've been really seriously shooting photography. And, um, you know, like um, I'm sure like a lot of other people, when I first got that DSLR in my hands, I was shooting everything. I shoot insects, birds, you know, my horses, my dogs. I, I couldn't get enough of, of shooting. And um, it, took a, it took a couple years to narrow it down to what I really found myself being drawn to, and it ended up being street photography. It's my favorite genre of photography. 
I mean, I love all types of photography. I'm a part of a lot of different Facebook groups that deal with photography, but street photography, that's where I found my passion. And um, it took a little while to get there, but now I, it's hard for me to shoot anything else. I mean, there's, there's those occasions when you'll see that landscape or catch a wild animal, especially with my job driving around on rural roads all day. And I'll, and I'll grab a cool shot here and there of that, but I am always drawn to getting out there, walking the neighborhoods and walking the, the streets and just looking for those great shots. One of the best things about my job is I get to carry my camera with me. Um, I carry, basically I carry my camera with me every time I leave my house. It's all, I have a little camera bag. I have a smaller camera I can shove in it. So it's not a lot of weight or I put it in my lunchbox. So I always have a camera. And, and like I was saying, one of the great things about my job is there's a lot of days where I have to just drive all day and, 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 and inspect rural ranch roads. So there's a lot of opportunities coming across different wildlife or or some ranchers working on their working with their cattle or whatever where I have the opportunity to grab a good shot. Yeah, we call it street photography, but sometimes it's road photography too. <laughs> yeah, street photography it's I think it's a pretty open open word or description of the type of photography it really is. I almost want to call it it's I think it's almost documentary photography. Yeah. Because, you know, I think there's a lot of people that just think street photography is you got to be out on in the city and the city streets. And that's all street photography is. But I I my personal belief of street photography is it's just capturing life's moments. I agree with you. And it doesn't matter if it's out in the middle of the desert somewhere and you come across somebody broken down and you happen to get a shot and hey, you know, help them fix their car. And then, Hey, can I take your portrait? And you get to meet somebody new. Or if I'm, if I, if I go into the city and, you know, I get, a, a, you know, more of a chance to meet a lot more people, obviously, but it, it, it doesn't matter where you're at. You can find photography and you can find that shot anywhere you go. Now you said you live, you personally live in a rural area, right? Oh, very, very rural. My town doesn't even have a, a street light or, or a major, you know, intersection in it. So how do you deal with that? I mean, besides doing a little bit of photography or work? Well, I live in a community. They call it the tri-community. It consists of Oracle, Mammoth, and Samuel. And it and they, these three towns basically form a triangle. And in the middle of this triangle is a huge copper mine. It's been closed down since the late 90s, but basically... I grew up in this in these three towns. I lived in all three towns at different times. My dad was a miner for 30 years, underground copper miner. Wow. And and all three of these towns are all really small. Samuel was the main mining town. Actually, the mine built that town in the early 50s when they started that mine. So so I and but see where I live well, these tri communities we're only 30 miles north of Tucson, Arizona, which is a pretty big city. So I get to go there, you know, I go there every weekend pretty much and run errands and that's where we do all our grocery shopping because none of these towns have any major grocery stores or anything like that. So I'm always in the city every weekend. I see you get pretty up close and personal a lot of times. Do you engage a lot with your subjects? It just depends on what mood I'm in. There's those days yeah. where I, I, I have that mood where I can just approach anybody and, oh, wow, I really like your look. Can I 
can I get a portrait of you? And, you know, um, I have those days. And then I have those days where I don't feel like talking to anybody. Yeah. But the, but the style and the way I can shoot, whether if I'm using a camera or my cell or my cell phone, I can, I can get pretty close and get a pretty close shot without them even knowing I'm taking their photo. So there are shots that look like I might've had to engage them to get that shot, but, but they're candid shots. So it just, I guess it just depends on how I'm feeling that day when I go out. But I, I do like to engage people though. That's one of the many things I love about street photography. I've met and I've met so many cool, interesting people. And I've made a lot of friends just walking the streets and with my camera and talking to people and, yeah, if you can get over the hurdle of being afraid to talk to strangers or afraid to, I don't know, put yourself out there or the fear of thinking everybody's looking at you, it can be very rewarding. Yeah, that was a really hard thing for me to deal with when I first started doing street photography. Um, like, I can remember the first two, there was these two young ladies over in Tucson on a, on a busy street. I usually walk up and down and they, one had these really crazy glasses on and the other one had a crazy hat on and, and they were standing there talking to each other. And I just, Oh, I got to ask them to, if I can take their picture, take a portrait of them. And that was the first time I ever approached anybody and asked them that. And I could not, I almost froze up. I mean, <laughs> I could barely get my words out, but they were really nice and they let me take their picture. And after that, it felt like a weight was lifted off my shoulders and it's, and it didn't get real easy after that. But after doing it for a while, it's like anything else, just force yourself to do it. The more you do it, the easier it gets. And then, and then it just gets to the point where you'll get those, well, why do you want my picture or no, or, you know, you get yeah. that rude person every once in a while. But to be honest with you, I'd say 90% of the time, most people, even if they don't want it, they're usually nice about it. But most people, if you compliment them and approach them with a smile, I I get way, way more yeses than I do no's. Well, I see you shoot a lot. I mean, you, you post a lot on the Facebook group, a lot of really good stuff. And I just wondered, do you ever deal with burnout? Do you just get tired of it or you can't do it anymore? And if so, how do you deal with that? Um, I wouldn't, no, I wouldn't say I've gotten burnout on street photography. You know, hopefully I never do. Um, there are some days where I might not feel like shooting, but it's, but no, I, I just, I haven't had to deal with burnout. I've been burnt out on other things in my life with other jobs and other doing other things. But so far with street photography, no, I haven't gotten to that point yet. And hopefully I never will. Yeah, that's great. You know, a lot of people deal with that. And so it's always interesting to see how others deal with it. I know I have myself. And like you say, you just got to get out there, even if you don't feel like it. Yeah, I, I'd say the, the, the biggest problem I have is because even t be, I have the opportunity to go to Tucson a lot. Obviously, it's not too far away. And I lived there for over 20 years at a time in my life. I just recently moved back to this town. It was going on seven years now. But before that, I lived in Tucson for well over 20 years. Um but the thing about Tucson is it's a bigger city, but it's not a New York. It's not a Los Angeles. It's mm -hmm. not even a it's not even a Phoenix type metropolitan area. So there are only a few streets where 
I I know there's going to be people walking around a lot. It's yeah. called One uh, Fourth Avenue, and then it runs right into the downtown area onto the Congress. So I have my routine walk that it's usually the same walk I do every weekend. But I I, I get a little burnout on that and and find myself wanting to go mm-hmm. to other places and but. With street photography itself, I don't get burnout. Just sometimes on where I have the opportunities to shoot, I get a little burnout. Yeah, same here. You know, I moved from a large town where I was basically anonymous. I'm downtown on the street. You know, uh-huh. nobody, nobody pays you any mind. But here, we basically have one street where there's a lot of people. Personally, I feel like everybody's looking at me, you know. It's, <laughs> a lot of the people who are on the street all the time recognize me. And it's weird not being anonymous anymore. Now you can turn that around because one of the things I do like about that is because I've been shooting those streets for so long, I've met a lot of people. And so now a lot of the times when I get down there, I'll run into these people and I get a hello. Hey, what's up? You get any good pictures today? Um, And those, those streets, that area of Tucson is a really big with artists. A lot of creative people, a lot of artists, um, punkers, hippies, those types of people. And and those are my favorite types of people. They're usually really friendly and open-minded, and and I love I can sit there and have some great conversations with them and stuff about all different kinds of things. So that's kind of the good part about it is that I am being recognized. I'll even I'll even be walking down the street and I'll have somebody stop me. Oh, is your name Alex? I've seen your work on Facebook and, oh, wow. and stuff like and stuff like that. Which if my wife's with me, she's like. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, thank you. Uh, I appreciate that you like my work. And then we'll walk off and my wife will be, don't be getting a big head about anything. <laughs> and I just laugh. Cause it's because there's some local Facebook photography groups that I'm part of, uh, like some Tucson photography groups I'm part of. And I post a lot of stuff there. So that's where these people are noticing me. Yeah, it's like a friend of mine here in Charlottesville. He's been living here for several years. An avid street photographer, really good, very talented I even say his name, Steve Muskie. I'm going to get him on here. Some he shoots on our what we call the downtown mall. It's a big pedestrian streets about ten blocks long, and everybody there knows him. And you know he works just fine with it. He's used to people knowing who he is and knowing what he's doing. Um, for me, I still want to be Mister Anonymous. Yeah, guess you got to adjust with your uh, your circumstances. Oh, I, I like the anonymy too. Um, that's what I like when I get to have a chance to get out to California to visit family out there. I love going to, <laughs> to those downtown Los Angeles and Venice beach and, you know, different areas of, of Southern California where there's just tons of people. And, and then you're just, you know, you're just another number in the crowd. And, and that's a great feeling too. Then you can get a lot of great shots like that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So I don't know, in terms of your street photography, what's been your biggest challenge and what have you learned from it? Um, I think my one of my biggest challenges was getting over that fear that I'm sure most street photographers have when they first start off. And, and I think you still, like I still have it to a point. I just don't let it control me. And that's what I've learned is that that fear of lifting up the camera. I've learned different techniques of using my camera to get some, some really cool candid shots. Um, I mean, besides all the little technical things of learning photography from the beginning, you know, with your exposure triangle and all your settings and learning your camera and all those, those are all pretty easy things. I mean, fortunately, 
I live in an age of Google and YouTube where you can learn anything you want to learn <laughs> right there, which is awesome. Yeah, whether that advice is good or not. Well, yeah, I mean, there, I learned I learned street. I learned how to. I learned photography. I learned street photography. I learned everything I know from the internet, from Google, mm-hmm. YouTube, Facebook. You just have to learn what to take from each person because everybody's different. Everybody has their own ideas of what they think is the right way to do things. And I'm not the type of person just to, to latch on to one person and be like, no, so-and-so said it has to be done this way. And that's the only way it can be done. I'm the type of person that will take us a, a schmidge from here and a schmidge from there. And I'll put my own thing together. And then I develop my own thoughts about photography and my own ways of shooting photography. But I, I'm just feel I'm so lucky to grow up in an age where where information is so readily available. It just amazes me. Yeah, it amazes me too. There's just so much out there. But then the hard part is digging through it and finding what's relevant for you because there's just it's an overload. Well, I I find that I don't find that hard. I I I I love it. I love just seeing everybody's different opinions and everybody's different viewpoints on street photography, landscape photography, wedding photography. I've seen, I've watched them all. And I have mm-hmm. a lot of photography friends that shoot weddings and landscape and, and astral photography. And, and it's, it's so fabulous. You can see so much awesome work just through your phone or through your laptop or your PC. I mean, being a kid, I grew up in the seventies and eighties. And if you wanted to learn all the things I've learned on the internet, I would have had to spend a lot of money going to school or yeah. going to college and, and learning that way. But now it's just available for free, basically. Or a lot of time in the library. Well, yeah, back in those days, yeah. I learn better from watching and listening and doing than I do from reading. Though I, I'll read here and there, but I'm more of a visual learner. Like, you could give me a book on how to take off a carburetor and rebuild it and... I, I could probably do it and struggle with it, but if I could watch a YouTube and watch how this guy's doing it, yeah. I could do it just like that. No yeah. problem. Yeah, I do the same thing. So what are some of your favorite resources for street photography, information, advice? Oh, um, I like YouTube. I like listening to podcasts or I love podcasts, photography. I love your podcast. Uh, the Candid Frame. I mean, there's so many great photography podcasts, and what I love about those is they're very inspiring. I love I love podcasts that interview other photographers because when you hear these other photographers that you admire their work, it just really inspires me to get out there and, and create my own stuff. But um, YouTube's a great one. I love photo books. I've been collecting photo books for mm. the last few years, and I have a pretty nice collection. And and when I, you know, I got some downtime, I just sit there and look through all these amazing photos from these amazing street photographers and 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 documentary photographers. And it just another thing that just inspires me. After flipping through some of these books, I just want to grab my my camera and get the heck out there and make my own photos. Yeah. So what's your favorite photo book right now? Anything come to mind? Um, I had the opportunity of meeting this photographer about, I don't know, it was a couple of months ago over. He had a, an exhibit down in Tucson. His name is um, Lee, uh, Lee Freelander. Oh. And, and uh, he had this book I had bought from him and he had signed it for me. It's called The Dog's Best Friend. And um, it was it's it's kind of like one of my series that I'm working on. 
and um, I got to talk to him about it for a while. That's a really awesome book. Um, another great street photography book is called Bystander. My wife got it for me last Christmas. I had seen it on oh, a yeah. YouTube channel or something, and I asked it, I asked my wife for it for Christmas, and she and that's an awesome book. Another great street photography book um, is called it's called Street Photography Now, and that's another awesome one. There's so many. And then and then you got the classics. Like I have this one I got on eBay. I had got it was recommended by a friend of mine. It's called The Family Man. Hmm. And and that oh, if you ever get the chance to check that book out, I that it's more from the photos from photographers from you know the 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s. But I mean, you're talking, you know, Henry Cartier, Brisson type photographers. And then I'm sure you've heard of The American by Robert Frank. Oh, yeah. Rest yeah, in that. peace. Sure. That guy is just awesome. I mean, there's so many. That's like I said, I discovered all these through the Internet. And um, it just it just amazes me. It's funny you mentioned Robert Frank. And not long ago, I read an article in the online photographer, a really good photography blog. Uh, it was written by a guy named James Sherwood, who uh, visited a cemetery in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, to find the site of a photograph taken by Walker Evans back in the 1930s. And after finding the site, he went to leave, and he saw an older gentleman and his wife sitting on a bench in the cemetery, resting. He walked up to him and realized that the man is Robert Frank. And they had a really nice conversation, took some photos, and went on their way. I'll put a link to the article in the show notes. Uh, it's a short read and very interesting. Oh, wow. That is awesome. That's a great story. Of course, he just happened to pass away just a couple of weeks ago yeah i know that was sad which but, is very yeah very sad very sad but you know he, he lived a very long life i mean yes, he, he, did. And he did and he did what he loved to do and you you can't wish for any better for anybody to have that many years on this planet and then to spend that many years doing what you love that's the best thing in the world uh yeah absolutely absolutely we don't all get to do that yeah that guy's really inspirational i love that book the americans and me too he, he, it's just awesome. Those are the those are the that's the type of work that wants me to grab my camera right now and just run out the door and just just get out there in the world and just capture life as it's as it's being lived. Yeah, so you were talking about Freelander's book, uh, Dogs, uh, Dogs' Best Friend, and you, you, yeah, and you've done a whole series on dogs. Yes, I'm. That's that's a, still an ongoing series. I'll probably some people ask, well, how long are you going to work on that series? I go. Uh, probably till the day I die. Yeah, as long as there's dogs, right? <laughs> exactly. No, I, yeah, I, I love dogs myself. And uh, you were posting them regularly in the Facebook group. So I always enjoyed them. And I see you've got them, you have them on your, uh, on your website as well, which we'll share before we leave. What got you started on that? Oh, my love for dogs. Um, be, being that I grew up out here in a rural area, I grew up always had a dog in my life, always, and I love dogs. I, they're they're I always consider them God's gift to humanity. Dogs and horses, my two favorite <laughs> animals. I have I have a couple rescue horses and I have three rescue dogs right now, but um, I I left home pretty young and I moved from 
from Oracle, Arizona, where I live right now, I moved into Tucson and then I had lived in Nevada for a few years, but I, you know, I lived in the city for a lot of years. And when I first lived in this, well, for, for many years, I had apartments. I, I wasn't able to have dogs. Well, when I, when I met my wife and we ended up getting married and all that, and we ended up getting a house in Tucson, I finally had a big backyard. And one of the first things I told my wife is, oh, we need a dog. We, yeah. I love dogs. I haven't had dogs for so many years. I want a dog now that we have a backyard. So I ended up going. We went to the shelter. We ended up getting a few dogs. Um, we had two medium-sized dogs and a little dog we ended up with. And um, and then we moved out here, to, back out here to, to Oracle. We had an opportunity. I had the opportunity to buy the house I grew up in that my dad built. He retired and moved into Tucson, and I ended up buying the house I grew oh, up really? in and, and moved back out here. Well, um, we had ended up, after living out here for a couple of years, we lost two of our our dogs, two of the medium dogs. And we, we have replaced them with two more rescue dogs. Um, we still have our little dog that's getting pretty old now, but he's still got a lot of energy. But we, I started a family really young. I was 18 when I first got married and 19 when I had my first kid. Oh, wow. and, and so my kids are all grown up and living their own lives now. And we haven't had any kids in the house for a long time now. So dogs are pretty much our kids. They sleep in our bed with us. Um, they have their own doggy door in and out of the house whenever they want. I mean, our dogs are pretty, pretty spoiled. And I don't, I can't go on enough about how much me and my wife love our dogs and all dogs. I mean, you look into their eyes, the loyalty that they show you mm -hmm. is just amazing. Let me tell you this quick joke I was told by a friend. <laughs> my wife doesn't like it too much, but it's hilarious. She goes, if you ever want to know who loves you more, your dog or your wife, you take both of them, you lock them in the trunk of a car for a couple hours, you open up that trunk and you see which one's happy to see you. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. I told that to my wife. She didn't find it too humorous. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean... There's nothing like I come home, my dogs are out on the patio up on the fence waiting for me. Like my wife says, like, because I get home pretty much at the same time every day. My wife says like 15, 20 minutes before I get home, the dogs go out the doggy door and they're out there on the yeah. patio just waiting for me to get home. I mean, that's some that's some love right there. No matter I've had vets tell me, oh, dogs don't have feelings, they don't feel jealousy or love or any of that. Mm. And I have to I have to disagree with that totally. I, I agree. I disagree as well. Yeah. Yeah, they're amazing. And they all have their own little personalities. So uh, I I won't go on about dogs. I'll talk to you about dogs for forever. But but that's why I started that, because I, my love for dogs. And then really quick uh, I find myself when I'm out there on the streets, what made me start kind of like get this series more mm -hmm. focused on dogs was I always found myself drawn when I'd see people because, you know, there's always people out walking their dogs and you see some characters with dogs and dogs are characters themselves. And, and I'd always find myself drawn to dogs. I'd see some, some unique person walking their dog or just some person. And I'm like, Oh man, I love that dog. She's so cute. Can I pet him? Can I take their picture? And then I, and then I started noticing I was having all these pictures of people walking their dogs or people with their dogs or just dogs by themselves. And I think, well, you know, I find myself, I'm always finding myself drawn to that while I'm out. So I'm, I might as well put that in a series and, and it, and then it gives me something to focus on when I'm out there. Cause I got, I got three series that I kind of think about a lot. 
One is the dog series. One is just street portraits. And then one is my work with the county because I've always had my camera. So I get a lot of shots of my coworkers and projects we're working on. So, so, so I think when you have a, a series or, or a body of work that you can work on with that focuses on a certain subject, then you have more of a purpose when you're out there. Yeah. Like when, when I go out there, when I go out there roaming the streets, you know, I'm always keeping my eye open for the unexpected or scenes that come in front of me, but I always have in the back of my head, Oh, there's a dog. Oh, I got to get that shot for my series or, Oh, that man, you got to, that person's awesome looking. I got to go talk to that person. That'll be a good portrait for my, my beautiful people series and stuff like that. So it just gives you a little bit of a purpose while you're out there. Yeah. That's a really good point. It gives you more focus. Exactly. Helps you decide what you're going to shoot. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's just an excellent point. You were talking earlier about uh, documentary photography. Are you doing any documentary projects on, you know, one particular subject? Well, that's what I I would kind of consider my my series with Pinal County kind of would be a documentary Mm -hmm. type project because I'm documenting my career with the county. I started shooting photos with dealing with my work since I started with the county and I still have another 15 or so years before I retire from the county. So that's going to be a big body of work by the time I'm done. Yeah. And I've got some really cool shots of my coworkers working on projects. I actually had, I had three of my photos. Well, let me see. No, I'm sorry. Four of my photos the county, we had just had a grand opening of a new um, giant garage, whatever building here in Oracle that they had built. And they and they took three of my photos from that series and had them blown up huge and displayed them on exhibit during the ribbon cutting and the grand opening of this building here in Oracle. So that was really cool. And then they let me keep the, the oh. prints that they had printed after the, the ribbon cutting. After that ceremony was over, I got to take those prints home. So that was really cool. And um, I'll, I'll I'll post those photos on your on the Facebook page oh, so okay. you can see what I'm talking about. But I kind of consider that whole series going to be more of a documentary. But it's hard for me to define like street photography and documentary photography. I, I guess documentary would be more focusing on a certain subject and mm-hmm. getting a whole series of photos dealing with that subject. Where street photography can be more just random shots here and there, even though you can still get a little series of street photography with sure. stories behind that too. So I kind of put it in the same category. Yeah, I know a lot of those older um, photographers; they don't even consider themselves street photographers, though that's what you would think they were by looking at their body of work. But they just consider themselves photographers. Mm-hmm. That's just the type of photography that they shoot and stuff. The term wasn't even in use, I don't know, 20 years yeah, ago? Yeah, exactly. It's more of a modern term. I mean, look at, like, Robert Frank, I don't think he considered himself a, he just, he's more of a documentary photographer, documenting his travels across country, and, and, and Thea Lang, you know, you wouldn't, you'd look at some of her work and go, wow, that's some cool street photography, but she's documenting the plight of, the, you know, during the depression of the farm farm workers yeah. and, and stuff like that, but those are all candid type street photography shots, you know? Um, so it's, it, but they, they, they do consist of a, of more of a body of work that tells story than I guess just a few different shots here and there that, 
that might not tell a whole story with street photography, but. So what's next for you? Any, anything, anything new coming up? Any new projects? Are you you're oh, going to be showing any place? Um, I just had, I had three of my photos exhibited in, um, in an art gallery downtown Tucson, but that, that showing's already over. I'm going to, I'm, I need to submit, there's an open call for some photos for, for the, what do they call it? The creative center for photography at the university of Arizona. That's a super, that's a really cool place. If you're ever in Tucson, you have to go to their gallery. They, that's where they keep all of um, Ansel Adams work, but they have awesome, an awesome gallery with such great photographers in that place. It's a really well-known photography um, school, I guess, through the university of Arizona. And they're, they have open, open submission right now for photographers. So I'm trying to get a few of my photos into that. And then our downtown library here in Tucson, which is a, like a huge four story library where thousands and thousands of people are in and out there. It's almost like a library art gallery. Like every floor, all the walls are covered in different types of photography, oil painting. They got sculpture in there. It's like going to an art museum, basically. Well, they got an open call for artists coming up in October. I'm going to try to get some of my work in there. But that's about the only thing I'm thinking about trying to get my work into right now, besides just posting on all the social media stuff that I'm always doing anyways. Yeah. You know, you bring up a good point. Um, in many communities, big and small, there are lots of opportunities to show your work in galleries, in restaurants, uh, local shows. And there's nothing like having to take your work and print it. Oh, I love, I, I print out so much of my work. I have a nice Canon printer, a Pixmark printer, and I'm all, I got stacks and stacks of four by sixes and, and some eight by tens. And, and then if I want anything larger, there's so many different great companies you can go through the internet and they always running great deals where you can get some, you know, 16 yeah. by twenties and whatnot. Cause there is nothing, you know, maybe it's because I came, I was born in the seventies and eighties before the internet was around, but there's nothing compared to holding a print in no. your hand and looking at it than looking at it on a computer or your phone. Oh yeah. I mean, you, you know, as the photographer, you can't control the device that somebody else is using to look at your work. Yeah, exactly. So you don't know how their monitors are calibrated. You don't know if they're seeing exactly what you're seeing. And so you, I mean, that's one thing I don't, really like about the internet is that like I could spend all this time editing a photo and get it perfect, you know, with my calibrated monitor or calibrated to what I think looks good. And then somebody else could look at it and it's still basically the same photo, but the editing could be way different looking. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But a print to print and, and, oh, and that was just something I wanted to, to let all your listeners know about. This is a little piece of advice that I found really helpful is mm. there's a website and I'll, I'll link it. I'll link, I'll share it. It's an app actually for your phone. It's not even, you can't even do it on, on a laptop or, or a PC. You have to do it through your phone. But I was turned on to it by another photographer a while back. I've been using it forever and it's called photo books and oh, I think it's called photo prints, but I'll share the link on the Facebook page. But every month they give you, I think 80 four by sixes. And, and the other one is photo books. They give you one 10 page photo book. I, I think it's like, five by seven or something. This is a smaller photo book for free every month. No obligations. All you have to do is pay for shipping. 
And the, the only catch is they're always trying to upsell you, but you can't blame them. They're, they're trying to make money themselves. But I've had so many of these little photo books made, and, they're, and they come out really nice too. And what I love about them is they fit perfectly in my, in my um, camera bag. So when I'm out there shooting and I end up talking to somebody or I, I ask somebody if I can take their photo, and they go, oh, why do you want my photo? And I explain I'm a street photographer. I, I'm making art. I I think you look really cool. And then I pull out one of these books and show it to them. And then I swear to God, 100% of the time, they're like, oh, wow, this is awesome. Yeah, definitely. Here, you can take uh -huh. my picture. <laughs> and then they get to look at my work. And then when I go to galleries or or I meet some business owner, I can show my work. And they're usually, oh, that's because when you're holding that book, flipping through the pages, that looks so much better than trying to show it to them on my phone or something. That's a great tip. Yeah, and it's awesome. And even if you don't use that service, I use it because it's free. All I got to pay is like seven bucks for shipping. But there's so many, you know, there's so many of these companies on the internet now, and they're all and they're all basically pretty cheap and stuff. So, but I thought that was such a great tip, and I I I, I know that's not my own tip. I got it from somewhere. I can't remember who had talked about that, but it it does really work, and it's awesome to hand somebody a book of your work and watch their face and listen to their expressions and listen to what they say about your work as they're flipping through their page, because it looks so much better in that book than it does on your phone. Try to hand them your phone and show them pictures. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Please share that link or send it to me directly too. So we can oh yeah. In the article. But uh, yeah, feel free to put it in the group. Yeah. Lots of good information in our Facebook group. It's uh, talkstreetphotography.com. Just use that link. takes you right to the uh, Facebook group. If you're not a member, just click join. doesn't cost anything. And a lot of really good photographers in there and, uh, you know, very passionate street photographers. And try to keep it a very positive atmosphere for people yeah. to yeah, comment and, and share. And the more, you're, the more you're on there, the more people give you feedback. Oh, yeah. And... um. I really have to say I really love your page because of the positivity because I'm a member of a lot of different street photography groups, but I don't tend to post a lot only to a lot of the different ones. Usually I just like to look at the photos, but yeah. because there are a lot of groups that whoever is administrating one, they don't really control it and they just let people spout off a lot of neg negativity. And I, that's one thing I do not like is negativity. Even if you don't like somebody's photo, you can find something good to say about it, and yeah. and 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 you can give criticism in a more positive way. You don't have to be a, a butt about it, like a lot of people on the right. internet like to be. What do they call them? Trolls or whatever. Trolls, yes. Yeah, but that's one thing I love about your your Facebook. It's a lot of cool people and a lot of a lot of helpful people and stuff. And there's a few other ones that are like that too, but. That's one of the things I wanted to let you know about yours is I really so I put that's why I post a lot of stuff there. Oh, good! It is such a friendly atmosphere for a Facebook page. Yeah, trolls need not need <laughs> not apply. Yeah. So what are you shooting with? Looks like you're a Fuji guy. Yes, I fell in love with Fuji. Yeah. <laughs> I I, I was well. My my first my first DSLR that my wife let me buy was a Canon Rebel SL1. It's a real small DSLR, and it was a cool. I learned everything about you know. Sure. I watched all the videos, learned how to use manual settings and and you know. Um, your aperture and everything about it. So I learned on that camera and then I, I kind of outgrew it. And then I went to the Canon 70D, which is a little bit of upgrade. 
And then I went to the 5D Mark II. And then I was hearing all this stuff about Fuji, all these YouTube videos about Fuji this, Fuji that. And I was <laughs> like, you know what? I need to get a Fuji just to check it out. And I ended up buying a used, um, oh, what is it? X100S. It's a second generation. Yeah. Um, but it was really, I got it for a really good price. I couldn't pass it up. And I fell in love with it. I totally fell in love with it. Next thing you know, I sold my my full frame Canon and some of my L lenses I had had and bought the bought the X XT2. I I debated to go for the, the the three the XT3 had just come out and my wife saw you better just get that one because you're gonna regret it. I'm like no. I watched all the reviews, a thousand reviews, and <laughs> and they, I came to the conclusion it might have. The specs were the video specs were better than XT2, but I'm not really a video shooter. And the price I that I got the XT2 because of the XT3 coming out was so low. I was able to get that and like three prime lenses. So I went for that one, and I'm in love with it. Uh, I I never pick up. And then and then to let you know, for a long time I was shooting a lot of film. A lot of 35 mm -hmm. millimeter film. Yeah, I saw I have, that. Yeah. Yeah. I have Canon AE1, Canon A1. I have some Anolta cameras. You know, I have a whole bunch I pick up at thrift stores whenever, clean them up, get them working. I have a couple full frame or um, medium format, you know, Yoshika mat, twin lens, and whatnot. But, and, and I really like shooting film, but it's a lot of work. I learned how to develop. I learned how to scan. So I can, I, I buy rolls, you know, 100 foot rolls of 35 millimeter film that I load myself. Also, I could do it the cheapest way possible. And it's a lot of fun, but it is a lot of work. And then, and then I was shooting a lot of film until I got that X-T2 Fuji. Now I, I can't put it down. I, I keep telling myself, <laughs> grab the Canon A1. You need to shoot film. Your, your developer is going to go bad if you don't start using it up, blah, blah, blah. But then I, I just can't let go of that Fuji <laughs> for some reason. I just love it so much. And, and I, <laughs> I and I try not to be a, a gear guy too much because I know it doesn't really matter what you shoot. Some of, some of the best photos that I love the most, I got off my Google Pixel, <laughs> off my cell phone. So um, I know it's not really a camera, but there's just something about and I, and I love that it looks like an old SLR, like an old film camera, too. I mean, the aesthetics, the the the, the picture quality. I mean, there's just something about it. And I, I know why there's so many Fuji fanboys, and I try not to be one, but I really do love that camera. Yeah, well, we like our tools. We like our toys. <laughs> yeah. phrase I heard once from a guy on a podcast was like... Uh, Sharp tools and interesting problems. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, and, and as much as my wife has always, oh, I can't speak highly enough. She's my best friend, and she's always had my back. Because when I love something and I find something I'm interested in, I jump into it head first. You know, I'm all, I go into it full force, and my wife has always been been there to support me and have my back on anything. And as much as she loves my photography – We've got into it a few times about the money I've spent on camera gear. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Because <laughs> you, I'm sure, know how it, I love the hobby. I love doing it, but it's a very expensive hobby, or it can be. It can be. Yeah. And um, so what I've done is I've done a lot of paid gigs, photography gigs. I've done weddings. Um, I've done um, a lot of – I love doing birthday parties. I've done a lot of birthday parties. I've done some engagement photos. 
you know, because people, oh, you know, oh, I love your work. Can you do this? And and, and if I, I've turned down a lot of jobs, but if that's at a time where I'm looking at a lens or something I might need or a new part for my computer because it's getting outdated, then I'll take the job even if I don't want to. Because I really don't like doing weddings. I like doing weddings because I do them like a street photographer. I do the candid type things. And mm -hmm. then I can, and I love lighting. I know lighting. I learned lighting a long time ago with modifiers, like off-camera flash. I know how to do all that. I, if you ever look at my at my my um, portfolio website, I got portraits in there and stuff and some events and yeah. stuff. And so I, I know how to do all that, but it's not my passion I like weddings that you can do it kind of like street photography, but I don't like weddings because I don't like that pressure. That's a once in a lifetime deal, hopefully. Yeah, and man. If you screw it up, oh, I can't even imagine the feeling that I'd feel if I lost the photos or if something just happened where it got screwed up. And I don't like that kind of pressure on my shoulders. Yeah, you don't want to piss off mom. Yeah, exactly. And I have a, a few photography friends that are wedding. That's how they make their living and stuff. And I tell them all the time, oh, my God, I got such respect for you. I don't know how you can do that. And they tell me, yeah, they tell me it gets easier. You know, they've been doing it for years, so they say it does get easier. But, yeah, it's. I go, I would never want to have to depend on doing weddings for a living because I, I'd probably have an ulcer. <laughs> it's like anything else. It gets stale after a while. Oh yeah, I'm sure it does. Like I haven't done that, man. I've only done a couple and 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 stuff like that. So I'm sure it does, like anything else. But but I don't know because of some of the wedding photographers I'm friends with and I see their work is so awesome. They've been doing it for years and they still love it. I mean, that's their bread and butter, and they yeah. they love it. I mean, that's what they 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 like to do the baby photos and the wedding photos and the family portraits and all that. I love portraiture, one on one portraiture. Mm -hmm, me too with some nice modifiers and some lighting and stuff and make some really cool portraits but family and all that type of stuff i'm i'm not, i was i don't really get into trying to organize people together and trying to get them all to look at me at the same time it's a, it's a little too stressful for me you always catch one person mid blink oh yeah and then when you're dealing with little kids oh, that's the hardest right there because you know how hard they are to control it's almost impossible you have to have a lot of patience yeah, that's for sure. So, Alex, why don't you tell us where people can find you online? Oh, sure. Um, let's see, alexcasarisphotography.com. That's my portfolio website. And if you go to that, you can see some of my work. I think I put my dog days, a few of my pictures from my dog days series is on there. But links to all, to like my, I have two Instagram accounts and a Facebook page. So those links are on that website, but I do, my Instagram handle is Alex underscore Casares underscore photography. And I, a lot of street photography on that, some family photos, just some random landscapes or animals here and there. Um, my dog days um, series would be dog underscore days d-a-y-z it's with a z at the end of days underscore photos and i try to post that one i try my best every day wow if i i might miss a day here and there but i i'm pretty good at posting every day to that so there is a lot that's where the majority of my my dog series is on that instagram Page. And I try to post a, a picture of the other one every day too, but 
that's where you can find me and uh i hope to see you there and if you follow me and you're sincere about it give me a comment or something i'll uh, you know engage with me and i'll follow you back and engage with you yep i know there's a lot of people that will follow you and then you follow them back and then they drop you but usually if you engage with the person here and there you know they're not gonna do that to you so you know shoot me a comment or whatever and then i'll make sure to follow you back and keep looking at your work because i love i one thing i love about photography is not just doing photography but i love mm -hmm seeing photography and, and, and meeting other photographers and not just photographers, artists, me and my wife, we love to go see to the art museums and, and meet other artists, photographers, sculptors, painters. I have a lot of friends that are in the art world. And like I tell people, you know, art is one of the many things that makes life worth living. Yeah. Family, friends, love, and art. It just makes, it makes everything worth it. Yeah. Don't forget about food. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, that's part of art. <laughs> my, my, my son, my son was just featured on um, a cooking show on the Cooking Channel. I think it's called Man versus Food. He's an executive chef at a local restaurant here in Tucson, and I'm so me and my wife are so proud of him. He he loves to cook, and he's so creative with his cooking, and and we thought that was so cool. So yeah, food is always included in that one. Unfortunately, my belly can tell you that one. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. Well, Alex, thank you very much. I, I appreciate you taking the time, and I know it's early morning there. You know, it was great to finally talk to you. Oh, Mike. it was awesome to talk to you, Bob. I've been looking forward for a very long time. 